Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary. This week I spoke with Dr. Brad Evans again. Brad is a professor of political violence at the Department of Politics, Language and International Studies at the University of Bath. His latest book is called Ecce Humanitas, Beholding the Pain of Humanity, and it's out now. Uh, it's a, Well, this, this little clip that we're including, Jen... We, we talked about um, a few things. He talked about how you can just, like, where is real power if you can boot Trump off social media and it's easy. Uh, he talks, he quotes Nietzsche. I mean, who doesn't like that? Uh, he says there's no opportunity for viable discourse now. So it's a, I would say this is a wonderful little clip from a brilliant, proven, very popular, critical thinker and academic. You got anything to add to this, Jenny? No, I don't like it. You like it. No, they'll like it. They'll like it. Yeah. You'll like this. That's what Jenny's <laughs> adding. Now that Under the Skin is on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review there because it helps me to feel better. And uh, we'll read them out now and again. If you'd like to listen to the rest of this podcast and all of my weekly Under the Skin podcasts, all you have to do is subscribe to Luminary on Apple Podcasts or download the Luminary app. You can get Apple Podcasts anywhere in the world, right? And you can get Luminary in most territories. Yeah, I think so. Also, I've got a meditation podcast, Above the Noise, which is also on Luminary. So we've told you what's in this part. Have a listen. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful that, route. Yes, that's, that, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the Skin. How would you use your pre-existing uh, rubric of analysis, in particular with regards to this pandemic? Um, what do you think about what's going on in places like Australia vis-a-vis -vis authoritarianism? And, and how has liberalism, with, with all of its initial emphasis on freedom, has become antithetical to that in practice? And, and do you even agree with that analysis? Yeah. I think I've often found in terms of analysis of power if the location of power looks obvious, it's probably not situated there, right? So, so like, so you know, and, and I often felt that Trump, Trump was very much a distraction and a powerful distraction, but a distraction nonetheless to the, the wider operations of power, you know? And we knew historically, if you want to understand, you know, good old fashioned state power in the United States of America, it was never George Bush, it was always Dick Cheney, you know? There was always something behind this that, that's kind of operating and that's how real power operates. Now, in terms of thinking about, first of all, you know, the legacies of someone like Trump, I find it extraordinary. First of all, let's not forget that Trump only came to power because of the power he was able to wield through social media. That was, that was his mobilizing factor. But then we're in a situation where, you know, if you talk about religions, religions always have these narratives of salvation. And there comes a moment where the social media companies suddenly say, you know what, we're going to save you from this guy, right? We're going to become the political salvation because we now recognize that this guy is dangerous. And actually en masse, literally throw, you know, an elected president of the United States of America off these platforms, right? Now you think, well, you know, some will say, well, actually, you know, we, we had too much of Trump in our headspace and... But should these organizations, whatever we think of Trump, I've written very critically of him, but these companies should not have that power to basically strip away the voice of a president of the United States of America. And I think that is, you know, and to me, it was, it was almost revealing how, you know, it was almost like a case of where's Wally, right? Trump seemingly just disappeared from the planet. 
And how can you make sense of that kind of disappearance of somebody who was in our headspace for so long and then almost fell off a cliff? And there was no kind of a way of kind of engaging with him in, in that way then. And I thought that was quite a real powerful moment in revealing where power kind of lies, right, in, in terms of thinking about this. Now, your second point then is in terms of, you know, um, what comes through this, and I agree in terms of any study of history where there's been a cataclysmic moment, we see how there is a fundamental danger of us collapsing into a new religion and into a new, you know, and, and a new religion in a way which becomes, you know, driven by a real kind of different Puritanism, you know, and I'm kind of reminded, for instance, you know, there's that very famous quote by Friedrich Nietzsche when he says, God is dead and we have killed him, right? If you read the full quote from Nietzsche, Nietzsche's very, te is terrified by the death of God because he said, because he goes on to say, you know, what, what, what um, who are we going to become now? We've become the murderers of murderers. And he realized we would become gods in the place of God and all the violence that we would commit because we've replaced God with a nation state. And he understood that there were, we were creating a God more terrifying still. And I understood that, right? And this led to a particular kind of puritanical politics. Now, I think we're in an age today where liberalism has collapsed, where the right itself is becoming more emboldened in its ideas of identity and sovereignty and so on. Whereas there's elements of the left, which I find myself having absolutely nothing in association with whatsoever, because it's collapsed into a social media driven puritanism. I just simply don't recognize myself in because there's no nuance, there's no opportunity to have a viable critique in the middle. There's no, as you say, you know, that prior to this pandemic, you know, so many of us were writing critically about the excessive power of the state, the state's right to ban comedy, culture, you know, the way in which the old, you know, Giorgio Agamben wrote, what defines the sovereign state was its, its right to ban its ability to ban things, that's its power, right? So we were writing critically about the state's right to ban. We were writing very critically about, you know, the whole project of Michel Foucault was writing critically about the politics of health and how, you know, biopolitics was always deeply political. So there's this radical movement which happens in the 1960s where we're critiquing the sovereign right to ban. We're critiquing, you know, the politics of pharma pharmacology. Not that we don't want to, we want to do away with medicine completely, but we recognize there's a politics to it. Today, you can't question that and unless you want to be thrown in bed with the alt-right. You know, it's kind of, and I know you've been kind of subjected to this yourself. If you're kind of standing in the middle and going, well, I don't know, can we just have a little bit of nuance here? Can we just actually just step back and criticize some of this? Then you just instantly with the alt-right. And, and, and it becomes, well, how do we get to that situation where politics is not only tribal, but it's puritanically tribal where, and I'm sure the vast majority of the public are going, well, I'm about, right? You know, I, I, I'm supporting a bit of the lockdown, but I recognize some people are losing their jobs, especially in the entertainment industry and the hospitality industry. And, and I'm concerned for their lives too. How do we kind of have a bit more nuance? And also, you know, the way in which the, the pandemic becomes almost like an untouchable now, especially for certain elements of the left, I find deeply, deeply problematic, especially as I say, because I think what their arguments they're presenting are not actually politics at all. They're deeply theological. So. 
how would you how would you make the the distinction, please, between a, the, their argument being theological and political? To help me <clears> understand <throat> that, please. Yeah. Well, well, I think in terms of the idea of me of the political is the political has to be always open to the possibility of new kinds of thinking, and it always has to be also. To me, the, my idea of the political also has to be transgressive. For it to be transgressive, it cannot be rooted in irrefutable morals because we have no idea what the future is going to hold. I also believe that there's something about the idea of being transgressive which requires a certain outrageousness. I, I believe, and that's why I think, you know, the history of comedy and art is so important politically because of its transgressive, outrageous, outrageous potentials. And, you know, and I'm thinking then very much in the spirit of someone like Oscar Wilde, who's, who really recognizes the beautiful poetic spirit of being outrageous because it's only by taking those risks that you can be transgressive. I see none of that in terms of the so-called theological elements of the left today, where to be outrageous is to be jumped upon, to be, to say something a bit that goes against the grain of their absolute moral certainties is something which is, will be immediately that the cause for, you know, a major kind of reaction of en masse by them on social media, you know, and how they can, that can be mobilized as much as it can be mobilized by the right. And I think what I understand by theology in, in that sense is, is a certain moral dogmatism, which is not open to, to the recognition that, yes, humans are fallible, but, you know, there's something to be rejoiced in being kind of outrageous, and there's something to be rejoiced in terms of saying, well, actually, you know, we don't have the answers to the future, but, you know, but actually, you know, let, let's actually speak to people we might fundamentally disagree with, because th then we might be able to work out this shared crazy thing called the human condition together, rather than being so certain about your place now in history, that it doesn't entertain any alternative. And I think that's, that to me is theology, that's not politics. If you're enjoying this conversation, join me over at Luminary on Apple Podcasts for the rest of our discussion and for all the latest episodes of Under the Skin on Luminary.